Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Worship is a key ingredient to our intimacy with Jesus. And so that's why, you know, I want us to always come ready and prepared in worship. And uh, intimacy with Christ is the foundation for our life. It should be the foundation for our life and all that we do. And then our, our, our vision is to, let's recite it, to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So when we are passionate about the things that God is passionate about, we come into alignment with his heart, and we begin to, God begins to work through us and change our life. Because if we're uh, complacent about things or, or we don't really care, you know, God is, is, is maybe not going to work through that in the manner that he would as if we're passionate about the things that he is passionate about. And we know that he's passionate about people, about us and others. So that's our goal, is that we come into this intimate place with him, and then we go out and... Live it. All right. I'd like to release the warrior youth. Now you guys are released to go back. Andrew, you look a little old to be going back there, but that's okay. You can go back there if you want to. <laughs> All right. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? All right. Well, so glad to have you here. We're beginning a new series uh, this morning called Worship. And you know that uh, over the past few weeks, we've been going through these foundations uh, about based on Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 where the writer of Hebrews says must we continue to go over these basic things again and again must we continue to go through repentance from sin or dead works must we continue to go over faith in God must we can continue to go through the laying on of hands must we continue to go through baptisms what about, do we need to continue to talk about resurrection of the dead? And what was the other one? Eternal, Eternal judgment. Yeah, what, must we continue to go through these things? And so if, you, if you've been coming here very long, you know that our heart is that not that we just get saved, but that we become committed followers of Christ, that we become disciples of Christ who will go out and, and impact the world like Jesus told us to do. And if we don't get these basic fundamental things down... How are we ever going to go on beyond that to the things that are more intermediate and advanced? And so I want to challenge us all to yield our hearts and lives to him and say, God, help me to grow and mature. And as we go through these basic foundational things, there, there are people here that have been coming here for a long time that aren't, aren't doing the basic things, like returning the first 10% of our increase to him, our tithing. That's basic. That's fundamental. That uh, Matthew 18 says, if, if you've got a problem with someone, to go and talk to them about your problems or your issues. Basic things like forgiveness. Because when we, when we choose to, to not forgive someone, it hurts us. It damages us. And it, and it creates a rift, not only with them, but the word says, if, if we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven. And so those basic fundamental things are important that we not only understand, because we can understand tithing. Okay, I can understand that the first 10% of my increase belongs to the Lord and choose not to do it. I can understand that if I've got a problem with someone, I should go talk to them. I can understand that, but choose not to do that. I can understand the Word of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commands. 
So these basic fundamental things are important to our lives individually, but also to our family. What are we instilling in our family? What are we teaching them? Because how do children learn? Three ways? Example, example, example. example. That's right. And so what are we living out? And so this morning I want to talk about worship because this is another basic fundamental thing that we need to get and to understand. So when, when, I, uh, when, when the Lord birthed Life Fellowship Ministries International, I taught on worship for weeks, probably a few months, because it's critical to our relationship and our growth in Him. And it's a demonstration of our heart. Uh, Two weeks ago, Pastor Christine taught on worship. And uh, some of what I plan to teach on is from a great book that I would recommend you get. It's called How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. That's a great book, and if, if you don't have it, uh, I suggest you get it and put it on your reading list. As Christians, worship is important to us individually, and for the local church, it's important that we come together and worship in one accord. Our worship should be an engagement an engaging expression from our heart that reflects our adoration for the Lord. Okay, so we clap, we shout, we uh, cheer uh, for our team, and we express love to our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, and each other. But should our worship to the Lord be different than that? And I, th I think not. I think that we should express this love to Him but I think it comes from a heart of having this relationship. Do I really love God? Well, maybe, you know, maybe I really don't worship Him and, and adore Him because I, I don't really love Him or I don't really have this intimate, personal relationship with Him. And you know what? This relationship is dynamic. It's not static. It's not just like turning on a light switch. I don't love Him. I love Him now. But it's a process that God takes us through like any other relationship where we grow in that relationship. And, and the relationships that we have that are, are valuable, you've had some challenges probably, right? Husbands and wives, look at me right now. But you've, you've had to go through some things. But as you go through those challenges, it builds trust. It builds um, this cohesion and, and love for one another. And, and you realize that they're not perfect and you're not perfect and it's a process. But with God, God is perfect. He's a good, good father. And he loves us so much. And he wants us to have this intimate, personal relationship with him that sometimes we don't always get what we want. Sometimes we don't always get what we deserve. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so love is the key. And it's only through having this relationship that it grows over time, that we begin to fall deeper in love with the Lord, and then we can begin to really adore Him because of this relationship, and then we can really begin to express that through our worship because of this. Our worship to the Lord is a reflection of our relationship with Him. Our worship to the Lord is a reflection of our relationship with Him. Because if we don't have a relationship with him, are we really going to worship him? Or are we really going to engage in worship with him? You know, he's just somebody over there. You know, he's just sitting in a throne and he's throwing lightning bolts down to people who don't perform or, you know, whatever perception that we may have. But no, he's a good, good father and he wants us to have this relationship with him. But this is something that grows, and so our worship is a reflection. When you see people that are just crazy worshiping, 
you know, maybe God has done something because they had a crazy life. And God has, has brought them out of a, a circumstance or situation where they were totally lost. And, th- and they're thankful to God for what he's done. You know, we, uh, we don't want people to get crazy and be swinging from the chandeliers and stuff like that. But I do want you to worship authentically. I found out uh, fairly recently that there was somebody here that's no longer here at this church. They moved away. But they were telling someone uh, not to worship or, or not to be too exuberant in worship. And I'm like, what? No, no, no. We want exuberance in worship. Now, this particular person had been talked to because they were worshiping in a manner that was drawing attention to themselves. Because we never want to worship, hey, look at me, look at me, look how spiritual I am, look at me. We always want to be pointing people to the Lord. So there's a balance in that, that we don't, we don't want to be distracting, but we always want to be authentic and genuine in our worship. I've been in worship uh, sessions where they have the flags, and I'll be engaged in worship, and I feel a flag, you know, just like right by my face. It will pull me right out. Or have you ever been in a a worship setting where somebody is just jumping, and and they could be just drawing, you feel, you really sense that they're just drawing attention to themselves. Have you ever been in a situation like that? That's the wrong heart. What we want to do is we we want to point people to Christ. So we want, what I want is genuine, authentic worship. And that's what we should all desire. Let's look at John chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him. That way the Father is looking for those who are worshiping in, in spirit and truth, who are authentic in their worship. Not just trying to put on a show, not just trying to draw attention to themselves, but what is it? It's a heart condition. It's a matter of the heart that we have this desire to share this authentic or give our authentic worship to Him. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must, say, say must, say, they must worship Him in spirit and truth. And we know that we're a three-part being. We have a body. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our intellect, our passions, our emotions, our emotions, our emotions. Uh, we have a spirit. So the, the Bible talks about to the saving of the soul. So God is trying to transform us, our thinking, to come into alignment with his word, his purpose, his will, his plan, his understanding. That's why I love Romans 12 too. And you know the scripture, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So as we come into alignment with his purpose and plan, and we stop thinking about us and, and, oh, is someone looking at me? Or, oh, do I look really spiritual when I do this? Or, and we begin to authentically worship him. That's what he's looking for. And that should be our heart, and that should be our goal. I, I think that the, I have a concern that there's a lot of entertainment going on in the church today. But are we really worshiping him? Worship to God is a spiritual act, can be a spiritual act, expressed through our physical engagement with the Lord. So when, you're, when your team scores a touchdown or hits a home run, you're clapping, you're excited about that, but God has done more for you than Alex Bregman or J.J. Watt or, you know, whoever. You know, so what is our worship like? What is our worship? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from a heart of performance? Oh, I have to lift my hands. I have to do this. I have to. No, what we need to do is just engage with him and whatever that looks like.
So what is worship? That's my first question here. And we'll get to that, and, and I'll probably give you a couple of definitions along the way. But worship is not necessarily a slow-moving power ballad where, you know, you just, it's a slow song and, and all of that. Now it can be. But worship is not entertainment or to be a spectator sport. It's, it's, it's supposed to be where we engage with him because we're engaging with him. We're not just entertaining or being entertained or uh, disengaged. Worship is to engage us and connect us to the Lord through authentic participation. And, uh, you know, worship, I think, again, can become entertainment. And I think sometimes it is where people can say, oh, I love the music or I love the way she sings or, okay, that's great, but are you engaging in worship? And, and the word says that we are to play skillfully before the Lord. So when, when the praise and worship team comes up, we want them to play in the right key. We want uh, Juan to sing on key. You know, we want the beat in the right place. We want those things, but it's not about those things. It's about worship. And people can, maybe, maybe I hope you can understand this, people can worship, worship. Instead of the one that we are to worship. And I think that that can even happen with praise and worship leaders and praise and worship teams where we begin to put our, all of our focus on the worship or even as, as someone in the congregation can focus on the lights and the smoke and the, the band and oh that guitar riff and those drums sound awesome or whatever. But what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on those things or are we focusing on the one that we are to worship? People can worship a church building, go into a beautiful building with all the artwork and stained glass. Oh, this is, this is so beautiful. I need to be holy when I'm in here. Well, it's not because of the building. Yeah, the, the building's beautiful. That's great. That's great. And we should do things with excellence. Because we're representing, we're representing Christ to the world. So everything that we do here at Life Fellowship, we want to do with excellence, not perfection, but excellence, because we want to honor Him. But the holiness and, and, uh, and all of that shouldn't come from walking into a building. It should be because we're honoring Him and we're, we're just respecting the Lord. So Jesus should be the focus, not the worship songs, not the team, not the lights. Jesus should be the focus, not the building, not the beautiful stained glass or artwork. God created worship for engagement, not for entertainment. And uh, worship has become its own music genre. You have, you have rap, you have classic rock, you have pop, you have Christian music. You even have worship. It has become its own marketed genre. And that's, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that this, is, uh, this has become its own segment, even within the world and the, the music genre. You can receive a college degree in worship. So you can go and get a college education in worship. But are you learning how to worship? Are you really worshiping? And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, then you may have a college degree in that, but... It may not really be worship. It's just a college degree. And, and I believe in education, so I'm, I'm not trying to put that down, but many churches don't demonstrate what worship really is. 
And uh, we've had, as you know, that these, the, the praise and worship team here, they go to another church and they have a home church and they're helping us out till we find a praise and worship leader in-house. And you guys are doing a great job and I appreciate that. Uh, but over the past few years, we've had a number of Christian musicians come through. Uh, I think I could define that as musicians that are Christians. But that's different than a worshiper. Because I can be, uh, you know, a Christian plumber. <laughs> All right. So uh, I can be a Christian uh, architect. I can be a Christian in, in whatever. But when we're talking about worship, we're not looking for people that, that are just saved. We're looking for people that are worshipers that have a heart to worship God because they are leading us into worship. Yes. They should be leading us into worship. And they can't take us into worship if they don't know what it is or if they're not going there themselves. And so these are some of my concerns. And listen, I'm just sharing my heart with you today. Worship is really, really important to me. It's really important in this church. It should be important to every one of us. So here are some of my concerns that many worship leaders and pastors don't, don't really know what worship is. And if they don't know what worship is, how can they teach their congregations what true worship is if they don't even know what it is? How can they expect their congregations to engage in worship if their congregation doesn't really know what worship is and if the pastors and leaders don't know what it is? How can we expect God's presence in our churches if we don't worship Worship is a critical part of this relationship. And, and what we come to do on Sunday mornings is we come to engage with him and worship him. How can we expect God's power to move if he's absent? How can we expect a vibrant, healthy church that is alive if he is missing? He is the key component. <laughs> It's not about the, the air conditioning and the chairs and the band and the music and all that. It's about Him. And how can we expect a lifeless church to make a difference in a lost and dying world without Him, without walking in this power and, and having this relationship with Him? Without worship, we are a religious people performing religious tasks or duties. Some churches have promoted a, a consumer mentality. Well, listen, you know, we're, we're paying you guys to worship. You worship. You worship for me. No, no, no. It was never designed to be that way. It was to, designed to be an intimate, personal participation, but also a corporate participation. Where we, and how can we, how can we corporately worship if we're not individually worshiping? So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, this is our core scripture. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and, and what? Build up the church, the body of Christ. So once we get saved, we are to become equipped to do his work and build the kingdom of God. Build up the church. Encourage one another. So that's why the local church is so vitally important that we can come to, together and we can learn and grow and we can encourage one another and strengthen one another and be held accountable and hold one another accountable. 
So uh, verse 13 continues, or verse 13 we continue in verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So the goal is that we come into this personal relationship with Him and that we grow and mature and that we become committed followers of Christ that can then go out and live it and train and equip others. But part of that is worship. My primary role is to lead and feed. And I know that you're, you're not supposed to use words like always and never. Oh, you always. Oh, you never take out the trash. Or, you know, we're not supposed to use those words. But I, I, want, to, I want to say this, that we always, always without exception, we want to teach you the word. We, we want to give you the word, and we pray that God will move in this place, that he will fill this space, not, not because of, of, of this room or this building, but because we want to encounter him, and we want his presence to invade our space and, and press into us and, and touch our hearts and lives. So we always want to teach you the word, and that's our intent. And I, I know, well, I can say that with with strong conviction that we always want to teach you the word and we always want to emphasize worship that we will worship not be entertained but they that we will engage with him so and i don't think that this is the case with anybody here but you know sometimes people will say well i'll, I'll just i'll skip the music <laughs> and i'll just go for the sermon or 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 whatever and uh don't, don't ever have that, that heart or attitude because the worship is an integral part of this whole service that we do. So don't have that attitude. Or maybe you know somebody like, yeah, I go to this church, but I, I don't go for the music. I skip the music. What are you telling me? You're skipping the worship part because giving your adoration to God and, and being in his presence and connecting with him is not important to you? Sometimes our sermon is found in the worship. Sometimes God will do something in your hearts during the worship. Because you hear, you hear people say, well, worship uh, prepares people's hearts for the word. Well, maybe that's true, but worship engages us with him. And so there may be times in the future where, where we don't even have a sermon, where we'll just have worship. Would you be okay with that? And so when we come on, on Thursday mornings for prayer, we spend time in prayer and we're praying for some specific things. We're praying for you guys. We're praying for the church. We're praying for our community. But we're also taking time to worship and let the Lord just soak, wash over us as we soak in him on Thursday mornings from 9.30 to 10.30. It's refreshing. It's refilling. It's connecting with him. So sometimes... God does something in the worship. And hopefully all the time he does something through the word because his word says that, he, that his word will not return void without accomplishing what it was sent to do. So anytime you're hearing scripture, anytime you're hearing the word, God is doing something. But there's this intimacy that we connect with in worship. And if you're not connecting with him in that way, just keep pressing in. Just keep pressing in. Engagement through worship shifts our focus off of us and connects us to the Lord. We can live a lifestyle of worship. 
I mean, our life can reflect it. But, but worship is more than that. It's this connection. So what is worship? And when, if, if you were to go to 10 different people and say, what is worship? You may get a lot of different answers. So worship can mean different things to different people. You can say, well, what is worship? Well, it's, it's lifting my hands. Well, what is worship to you? Well, it's singing. What is worship to you? It's, it's when I have times of reflection. What is worship to you? Well, it's when I bow down. What is worship to you? It's honoring the Lord. And these are all good answers. They're, they're, but really, they're expressions of worship. Because I can be lifting my hands in worship and be totally disengaged. Is my expression of worship really worship? Because it's not as much about the expression as much as it is about our heart, connection with Him. Are we just, because we can just be going through the motions. Oh, everybody's lifting their hands, everybody's clapping, everybody's singing, everybody's shouting, or whatever that looks like. But are we just going through the, the motions? I remember someone telling me some time back, that uh, they were uncomfortable lifting their hands in worship. I said, you're a bad person. No, I didn't say that. I said, uh, then don't lift your hands. Because it's not about those things. It's about the heart. And I saw them worshiping. Recently, they were lifting their hands. And I'm like, they've grown they, they're beginning to get this thing, you know? They're beginning to understand that it's not about the expression as much as it is about their heart and engaging with Him. And worship, uh, lifting our hands is, is just an expression. Listen, I don't want anyone to ever feel manipulated into worshiping. Because, hey, listen, I could manipulate you into worshiping, but if, if it's not authentic, Why? So we never want to manipulate anyone. We never want to guilt anyone. Look at me, look at me. I'm, you need to lift your hands. You need to clap. We never want to manipulate, guilt, or shame anyone because this is a personal thing. And there are times where my expression of worship looks very different from time to time. Sometimes I'm quiet and reflective, and I'm just in that place, in that space with the Lord, and it's precious. And I, I don't want to jump or shout. Maybe I'll kneel down. Maybe I'll bow. Maybe I'll lift my hands. Maybe I'll shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So it can be different because it depends on what God's doing. Maybe it depends on circumstances that are going on in my life. And I'm seeing victory. And I'm shouting unto God. And I'm rejoicing. Or it could be that, that I'm just reflective and quiet. But we never want to push anybody to, to try to be something or do something they're not. Because Jesus had a problem with the religious leaders, the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites, actors. Because they put on this show, but their hearts were far from God. And what I want to really emphasize is that this is a heart issue that we need to get right. We need to yield our hearts and lives to him and say, God, I want to be a worshiper 
We have some great examples in the Bible. I think David is one of the greatest examples of, of a worshiper who really loved God and worshiped and had an imperfect life. But we never want to push anyone to lift their hands or bow or sing or shout or anything. I just want you to be authentic. I just want you to worship. And if you're saying, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I'm really there yet, that's okay. Just keep pressing in. And maybe you'll one day, maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I, I'm really not comfortable in lifting my hands. Then don't. Just engage with him. Because maybe one day you will be lifting your hands because there's been a change in your heart. And when there's a change in our heart, then sometimes there'll be a change in our actions and our expressions of how we go out and live this life. Worship is engagement of our heart. Worship is a passionate expression of my heart to his. This is really my definition, so I'm just kind of throwing out my definition here. But worship for me is a passionate expression of my heart to his. Jesus was teaching, and one of the religious leaders asked him in Mark 12, 29-31, what's the most important commandment? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. Yeah, I think he's saying, listen, this is the most important commandment. Listen to me, because I'm about to tell you what's really important. Then he says, love, uh, love, love the Lord. No, no, he says, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And we know that the children of Israel had wavered and wandered from the Lord. They, be, they had begun to worship other idols and things like that. So Jesus is saying, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Israel vacillated. They were hot and cold. You and I can vacillate. We can be hot and cold. And the word says, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. So let's, you know, and, and we should be hot for God. We shouldn't be cold and complacent. Verse 30, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So if we really love the Lord, we're going to be moving toward loving him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And probably nobody is there yet. Probably nobody, you know, has uh, such a deep relationship with God that, that they're loving him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we're moving that way. It's okay. You know, because he's a good, good father. You, you don't expect your, your infant or your toddler to be able to necessarily ride the bike the first time they get on it. They're going to fall down a couple of times. We're going to stumble and fall. But here's the thing, guys. We need to be pressing into him, growing in him. And so when we come and, and gather on Sunday mornings, when we come and pray on Thursday mornings from 9.30 to 10.30, when we come up here and pray every Saturday night, from 9 to 10, we're building that relationship. When we come on Wednesday night to, to the foundations classes where we're learning about these things that are basic and fundamental that we, that we should already know, we're growing in those things because we're understanding that these basic fundamental things we need a better understanding of, we, we need a better grip on.
And let me just put a plug in for this Wednesday night. Pastor Mohan has been here, and, and he's a powerful man of God. So you should be here because the Lord may have a word for you. The Lord has something for you, I can tell you that. So be here Wednesday night at 7. But we're to love the Lord our God. And if we do, if we say that we're a Christian, if we say we love God, should there be an outward expression of that? Should somebody know that we have a relationship with the Lord, an authentic relationship? I'm not, I'm not talking about, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm talking about people should know that there's an authentic relationship that we have. And uh, I want to just go through these because I thought these were so good. These are different elements of praise. And uh, two weeks, Pastor Christine taught on uh, some of the Hebrew words and expressions of praise. So really, we're, we're talking about worship, but those things can be combined as well. Yada, it means lifting our hands. Okay, so these were instructions that the Lord gave to the Israelites on, on how they were to praise God. Lift their hands. So that's why we lift our hands. Is It's uh, something that we can do to express. Uh, Toda, lifting our hands corporately. So... Um, Yada is lifting our hand individually, and there's, there's a dynamic that happens as we all lift our hands, as we all begin to praise, as we all begin to sing. There's a, there's a dynamic there. So Toda uh, means to lift our hands corporately. Halal means to boast about him. So we sing about him today. You are good. You are good. You're good. So we begin to boast about our God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because it's his power. I have the same mighty power of Christ living in me that, that raised him from the dead. You know, I have all this. So we begin to boast about our God. Tahila, Not tequila. Tahila, Okay. <laughs> tequila To sing our halals. So now we're, we're to speak forth our boastings of God and our praise of God. But we can also sing those things out. And we can sing those corporately. Uh, Zamar, to celebrate with musical instruments. I love that one. Hey, let's jam. Let's do this thing. And I know that uh, many times when I've been playing in worship, that, man, there's just this anointing and there's this uh, expression and power that comes when I'm really worshiping. I'm not just playing drums. I am worshiping. And, and there's, you, it's like you get in the zone, and it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So that's another way that we can worship. So when you look up here and you see these guys playing their instruments, they're not just playing a song. They shouldn't be just playing a song. They are worshiping. They're putting everything into it, their passion, because this is not about a song. This is about worship. Uh, Shabbat, to praise the Lord with a loud voice. Even this morning, I begin to shout, Lord, you're good. You're a good, good father. Because if, if, if J.J. Watts steals the ball and gets a touchdown, or, oh, look, they made a touchdown. Oh, that's so nice. But yet we come to church and we're like, oh, uh, my worship is, you know, for me and, and I'm reserved. Are you kidding me? <laughs> When I see some of the knucklehead things that I've done and how God has saved me and how God is transforming me, sometimes I can get a little crazy. Not because I'm trying to draw attention to myself or look so spiritual, but because I know what God has done in my heart. 
what God is doing in my life. <laughs> Barak, to kneel in adoration. These are all expressions of worship. Worship may include our expressions, but my true worship, your true worship, doesn't come from our expressions as much as it comes from engagement of our heart. And let me just emphasize what I'm really trying to say is I want it to be authentic and genuine. You know, if, if, if you want to come down here and cry and, you know, whatever, if God is doing something like that in your life, it's okay. Or if God is, if, if you're just sitting there quietly with your hands clasped, that's okay. What's, what's okay is to be authentic in our worship. Our worship should be reserved for God because we can worship other things, the job, our children, our boat. But worship is reserved, should be reserved for God. I want to go to Second Samuel. King David is bringing back the ark to Jerusalem. And uh, well, let me just read. And David danced before the Lord with, with what does it say? All, all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought the ark, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy, and blowing the ram's horn. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. Michael was his wife. But what does it call her? It calls her the daughter of Saul. Let me read on. Why wasn't Michael with her husband? Worshiping with him in the celebration. I mean, here, here's a big deal. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And he's worshiping and, you know, the people are worshiping and his wife is disengaged from that activity. I think, I don't know this, but I think maybe she doesn't really have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe really doesn't understand what that's about. Verse 16 continues. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Why? Was she jealous of his relationship with the Lord? Was she angry? You know, I, I don't know. But David sets, so I won't read the whole story, but David sets the ark in place. They offer sacrifices to God. David blesses the people, and then he goes home. When David returned home to bless, he's going home to bless his own family. Michael, the daughter of Saul, again, the second time, the word calls her the daughter of Saul, not the wife of David, came out to meet him. So you can imagine, David is excited. He's been dancing, he's been leaping, he's been shouting. The people are just worshiping. There's this excitement and anticipation. And he comes home, and his wife tells him, he comes home to bless his family and, and you know, just bring that excitement and everything home. And she says in disgust, how disgusting, how distinguished, no, she says, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the other servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And so she's condemning him for his worship. And David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all your family. All his family. 
So David is saying, hey, you know, and we know that, that King Saul was the first king that God appointed, but he was not pleased with Saul because of Saul's heart, because of his disobedience and the things that he did. But he was pleased with David. And he said, oh, you know, I'm out there worshiping. And uh, the Lord chose me above your father and all his family. David had this intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. And we know from David's life that he had some problems. He had Uriah murdered. Well, first of all, slept with his wife while, he, while Uriah was in battle fighting for the kingdom, the Israel kingdom kingdom of Israel and David was messing around with his wife she got pregnant and he had her husband killed but yet the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart because David wasn't perfect but he knew how to repent I think he came back to the Lord and and he prayed and he asked forgiveness and and he knew how to not only ask forgiveness but receive forgiveness and go on but he was a worshiper as Pastor Christine was sharing when she was teaching on this, that, you know, he would bring the, the priest in and they would worship 24-7. I would love that if we, could, if we could do that here where there was worship 24-7 right here in this house where we could just come and go get, before we go to work, come and worship for a while, get off work or after dinner or 2 o'clock in the morning, you wake up and come and worship. I would love to have that in place that so we could do that. So even though David made a lot of mistakes, he still chose to worship God. David continues, He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am even willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. I'm willing to be even more worshipful. I'm willing to be even more crazy in my expression of God of worship because I know what he's done and I have this intimate relationship with him. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished because those girls probably knew how to worship and they weren't looking at his actions. They were seeing his demonstration of his heart. Here's the leader of Israel and he's worshiping God unabandoned, unashamed. David was unmoved by other people and what they thought. And I want you to be unmoved by people and what they think. When you come here and we're worshiping, I want you to engage in worship. Don't be thinking about, oh, well, are they lifting their hands? Are they looking at me? You know what? He's looking at you. <laughs> Who's your worship for? Is it for the, the person down the, a few seats down, or is it for him? True worship points others to Christ versus drawing attention to us. Worship realigns my focus. Exodus 23, 24 through 26. You must not worship the, God, the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. You must not worship pagan gods. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. He's saying you need to clean the land of these idols. And then Moses gives them supernatural promises from God. You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, and I will protect you from illnesses. Illness. 
So as we begin to worship, as we begin to come into this intimate personal relationship, we see the promises of God. You know, I'm, I'm thinking we see, this, uh, we see this over and over. If you do, if you, I will. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you bring the first of the increase that belongs to me, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much you can't contain it all. And so when I see people that are, are not doing the basic things, my heart breaks not because they're not bringing their tithes and offerings because it's about the money. It, it breaks my heart because I know they're missing out on the blessings of God. That's what breaks my heart. It's because I want to see God bless every person, every family so abundantly that they can't contain it all. I want to see us walking in freedom and not, not being bound up because we, saw, we just saw somebody drive by and we have hatred toward them or we have an offense against them or whatever. I want to see us walk in the freedom that Christ came to give us because we truly love one another. The Word says that we're not to owe any man anything but love. That I, that I don't hide behind the Cheerios and H-E-B when I see somebody coming because I've done something wrong. Or because I have an offense. But that I would be free because I don't owe any man anything. That I'm not walking around with guilt and shame in my life because I've said, God, the things I've messed up, I receive your forgiveness. I ask your forgiveness and I receive it. And that person that I hurt over there, God, uh, help me, give me the strength to go talk to them. Hey, person that I hurt, will you forgive me? I'm so sorry I did that. And then I'm free. That's what God wants us to do and how he wants us to live in this freedom. Jesus said he came to give us abundant life. You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water. I will protect you from illness. This scripture really got my attention. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, I don't think he's just talking about people. They, they had animals, and that was how the, they, they gained their wealth, and, that, and you know, those were important. But he says, he doesn't, I, I don't think he's just speaking to the people here. He's talking about, he says, there will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land. And I will give you long, full lives. So whenever we see if you will or if, that's conditional. And when we choose to obey God, God says, when you obey, if you obey, I'm going to do these things. So serving God and engaging in worship will require and cost us something. David, David said, I, will, I won't give anything to the Lord that doesn't cost me something. So our worship will cost us something. There are times when I don't feel like worshiping. Um, especially when under spiritual attack. But that is a tool that we have. That's probably our greatest weapon that we have when we're under spiritual oppression. I don't know if you know what that's like, but when the enemy's attacking and when you're under this, this it feels like a black cloud and you begin to worship and it's like the worst thing I want, you know, it's like I don't want, I don't want to worship God. I don't want to hear Christian music. I don't want to hear anything on the radio. I don't want to read the Bible. I'm just mad. I'm just upset, and there's this oppressive thing, and then I begin to worship, and I begin to praise God, and that thing just breaks off. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. There's something about worship 
that breaks through our circumstances and our situations and breaks through all the stuff and opens up the portal of heaven and God begins to just pour out his peace on us. Let's not miss the importance of our worship to him. And so worship is a great weapon that you have. Use it. And as I press through, my feelings begin to shift because our feelings will lie to us. But as we begin to engage with him, God does something in our heart. And God begins to free us up and, and reshift our focus back to him. 1 Corinthians 4.20, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. Do you want to live by God's power? Part of what we need to do is, is worship him. Do you know that today? Do you know that you are God's child? That he loves you and he wants to pour out his abundant blessings on you? And he wants to, to work through our lives and through our lives in a manner that will draw us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him? We're not just playing church here. Guys, we're, we're talking about this intimate, personal relationship. And then he wants others to see that what we have so that they'll be drawn to him. And he gives us opportunities to share the hope and the love of Christ with others who really, really need it. We all need it. Wow. Thank you for entering in to worship. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Uh, before we leave, uh, this will be Crystal and, and uh, the Rendon's last Sunday here. So uh, they're going to be moving away. And uh, we're going to, yeah, we're sad about it. They'll be back on Wednesday. So if you can come on Wednesday, we're going to pray over them and bless them. But uh, I know some of you may not be able to make it back on Wednesday. I want you to know that, uh, that this will probably be the last Sunday for a little while anyway that you'll see Crystal and and uh, Chris, Chris is not here today, I don't think, but Dylan and Austin. So uh, anyway, just wanted to give you that sad news. Uh, <laughs> but we love the Rendones, and they've, they've been here for a number of years and been a huge part of our family, and so we'll bless them on Wednesday night. But anyway, in the meantime, uh, I want to challenge you to make a difference in the world around you. Be worshiper, be worshipers that, that, uh, that be those crazy people driving down 45 with your eyes open and your hands on the wheel, but worshiping, okay? Be those kind of people that this, this worship and this desire for intimacy with Him just exudes from your life. And you can do that as you go out and live it. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me. Or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week, and remember to live it. God bless you.